In just a short time, each of us will be welcomed to come forward to have two people anoint us with oil in the name of our triune God and pray words of blessing as we begin a new year together. For some of us, this time of anointing and prayer has been a meaningful tradition for many years. For such persons, we come with anticipation, knowing that as Christians, we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, and therefore want all God has for us in Christ as our Savior, as our healer, as our sanctifier, as our Lord, as our present ruling king and coming king. There are also those of us here, particularly many of you who were new over this past year who may be asking, why are we doing this? Why would I want to come forward to have two people I may not know anoint me with oil and pray God's blessing on me for his wellness and healing. I would like to share a story in the Bible that awakens desire in me every time I encounter this story to come to Jesus for all he has for my life. And my hope is that this story might have the same benefit and results for you. The story comes from 2 Kings chapter 5, the first 16 verses. It is the story of Naaman, the commander of the army of Aram, present-day Syria, who was invited to come to God for help. Let me tell the story to you, then make a few comments from the story that will prepare us to come. Let me offer a prayer before I do so. Our Father in heaven, you have not only given us Jesus, but you have given us the Bible, the Word of God, which you tell us is useful to teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us in Christ's righteousness, and equip us for the works you call us to do. You also tell us that it is the sword of the Spirit that the Spirit uses to bring us to Jesus. Do so with this story, we pray in your name. Amen. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. Notice it doesn't say a commander, but commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now, bands of raiders from, Arab, from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she was Nam's wife's servant. She said to her mistress, if only my master could go to the prophet in Samaria, 
Samaria being the capital of Israel, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. Surely you should go, the king of Aram replied. I will write a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman went, taking with him 10 talents of gold, which, which weighed about 450 pounds. And to understand the significance of this amount, in 1 Kings 16 we read that a king purchased the hill on which the capital Samaria had been built for only two talents of silver. So Naaman went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 2,000 shekels of gold, weighing about 150 pounds, and 10 sets of clothing. And I'm sure these were not hand-me-downs. The letter that he sent to the king of Israel read, with this letter, I am sending my servant Naaman to you so that you may cure him of his leprosy. When the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why has this fellow sent someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he is trying to quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why do you tear your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go. Wash yourself in the Jordan seven times and your skin will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and Cure me of my leprosy. He turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had asked you to do some great thing, would you not have done so? How much more then? when he tells you, wash and be cleansed. So Naaman went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. One, two, 
three, four, five, six, seven. And his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman, with all his attendants, went back to the man of God. Naaman said to him, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. The God who created each of us desires that we each experience daily the eternal life he created us to live now and forevermore. He is drawing us to Jesus, who offers us this eternal life, who is our eternal life. Like we see with Naaman, Jesus draws us to himself by making us aware of situations by the Holy Spirit in our life where we need his help. While Jesus made all things, and in him all things hold together, he draws us to come to him to receive his grace and mercy in our time of need. This he did in the life of Naaman. As Jesus draws us to himself, he uses his servants, those who believe in his continued work, to participate with him in his redemptive, healing, saving purposes. Jesus uses his servants to be a blessing that leads people to know the blessings that are in Christ Jesus. In this story, he used a servant girl in captivity. In this story, he used Elisha, one of his prophets, and he would have used Joram, the king of Israel, if Joram had believed that God was able. We may wish Jesus would use the means for us to receive his grace that are comfortable to us, that are familiar to us. Naaman had clear plans for how God should heal him. As we read the Bible, we see that God uses so many different means to bring us to Jesus. Naaman came to see that God wants us to come to him humbly, yes, humbly, seeking his blessing. Why would God work through servants of Jesus, such as those part of this body, anointing us with oil in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and praying words of blessing on us. Because Jesus said he wanted to. Not because he needed to, but because he wanted to. He commissions those who believe in his work to participate with him in his ministry. Jesus invites us 
to welcome his grace in our lives through his people, through the different parts of his body. Why anointing with oil? Throughout scripture, God said oil should be used as a sign of his presence, a sign of his power, a sign of his blessing. While the oil itself does not heal, even as the river Jordan itself has no healing powers, oil is a sign and seal of God's work. Why does God work through such means? Grace. Naaman had to learn this. God's grace is to be received as a gift. God's grace leads us to see our need. God's grace leads us to come to Jesus again and again and again and again. God's grace leads us to welcome servants of Jesus to bring to us the blessings that are in Jesus. And God's grace enables us to receive the blessings Jesus offers us freely with eagerness, with anticipation, with faithful obedience. I would like to now invite Pastor Andrea to come as she welcomes us to come to Jesus. As we move into our time of prayer and anointing, I have just a few words of explanation and instruction as to how we'll do this. And this may be something new for you, but it's our custom at First Alliance Church to start the new year off with a time of prayer and blessing and anointing for each person to ask the Lord to give us all the health and wholeness that he has for this year ahead. Everyone will be invited to come for anointing. None of us is perfectly healthy in every way, spirit, soul, and body. So this part of our service is a time for us to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I want everything that you have given to me through the death and resurrection of Christ. I want all of the health that you desire for me to have, spirit, soul, body, every part of me. We'll have prayer teams made up of elders, pastors, and prayer ministry team stationed at the front of the sanctuary, and some will be uh, at the back, on my right, your left, and in a moment I'll ask them to take their places. Then after we pray, I'll invite you to make your way to one of the prayer teams. When you come to them, please give them your first name so they can pray for you by name. Even if you've known them for years and you think they should know your name, please still give it to them. It's amazing how your name can just vanish in the moment. After you've given your name, they'll anoint you with oil and pray for the Lord's healing in your life. We won't take time for special requests at this point in time, but simply pray for healing. If you do have special requests, you can receive prayer for your specific need from one of the prayer teams at the end of the service. If you would prefer to remain in your seat, please raise your hand and one of the prayer team members, Ken Frith, will come and pray for you in your seat. You can just wave at him and he will come. Once you've been prayed for, return to your seat 
And then we invite you just to take a time of reflection and meditation as we take time to pray for everyone who's here. When everyone has had opportunity to be prayed for, Pastor Andrew will then lead us in a time of communion. So would all those who are going to be praying this morning, would you come and take your places around the sanctuary? As they are doing that, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in our place and win the victory over sin, sickness, and death. Thank you that Jesus took up all our infirmities and carried all our sorrows. We now come to you, Lord, eager to receive all the healing and wholeness you have for us, that you may be glorified and that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives, in our communities, and in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Please begin coming now. Well, I'm going to gather us in, and we're going to head to the next section. Yes, come if you're serving communion. And again, some of you sitting here, if you're new to church or new to Christianity, you might have thought, I thought Christianity was about saying a prayer so that one day when I die, my soul gets beamed up to heaven, Right? As if uh, the reality were that God's space is somewhere up there 
and we're down here just miserable, and our only hope is a hope of escape, a hope of escape from this ailing, failing body. But actually, the story that the gospel tells isn't one of, of two totally separate and distinct spaces. The story of the gospel is actually that in Jesus Christ, in his person and work and what he's done, God's space has invaded our space. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said. And so we're a church that believes that the person work of Jesus has something to say, that the cross of Jesus has something to say uh, to every part of us, not just the soul as this wispy, immaterial part, but for our bodies, for our emotions, for our relationships, for our decisions, for every part of life. Thanks be to God that nothing is left outside of his saving purposes. But as we come to this table this morning, we're actually reminded that, that Jesus came to bring healer in that deeper, healing in that deeper and ultimate sense. That God didn't ultimately come to heal our present bodies, to, to give some of us maybe a few more decades to live, to give us relief from pain, to increase our quality of life. He came to bring an eternal healing. He came to bring an entirely new creation, a resurrection life. He came to defeat death and darkness itself, not just their effects. And it's probably the case in Jesus' day and throughout history that some people have been healed by Jesus in one way or another and have left it at that. They, they took a foretaste of the kingdom, but didn't enter into the real feast. It's like, like going to a restaurant, and, and, and this restaurant has this amazing reputation, and you've been looking forward to it, and you're so hungry, and you get there, and you have your appetizer, and you eat your appetizer, and you say, thank you very much, that was great, I'm going to leave, before the chef ever gets to bring you the main course. Folks, the main course is what Christ has done on the cross. It's that ultimate healing God's desire is for you and I to enter into the ultimate and eternal healing opened by the cross of Christ, reconciliation in our relationship with God, the atonement of our sins, the forgiveness of our debt, our justification before a holy and righteous God, our frail mortality to be clothed with immortality. And that's what Jesus' cross has opened up. In the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, death itself has been swallowed up in victory. And we give thanks this morning for that, that we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But there's also an invitation there because you might be here this morning and maybe you've sensed or experienced a bit of God's healing, good work in your life, but you haven't fully trusted him. You haven't turned away from your sin and you haven't placed your basic life trust in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that this morning, to consider this God who welcomes to your, you to himself with such grace. If you're not yet at a point where you're able to do that and haven't been able to do that in your life, we ask that as we celebrate communion this morning that you not participate, but that you uh, let the elements pass you by. There's actually a pink insert in the bulletin that can help you meditate more on the significance of what Jesus has done for you. 
Before he went to the cross, on the night when he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus was at table with his own disciples, and he gave them this meal as a sign. He gave them the bread as a sign of his body given, and he gave them the cup as the sign of his blood that would be poured out. And I want to bring us to this table now. This table, which is a sign of that great feast that he has invited us to in and through his death and resurrection. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks to his father, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new deal. This is the new way into relationship with the living God of the universe. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Will you pray with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we give you thanks as we come to this table and respond to your open arms, inviting us deeper and deeper into your grace and into your love. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon us and upon these gifts, that they indeed would be gifts to us, ministering your grace and your love and your healing, your forgiveness, all that you want us to experience in deeper ways. I pray this, Jesus, in your mighty name. Amen. We're going to hand out the bread now, and I ask that you hold on to that bread as we're going to partake of it together. This is an act that we get to do together as the body of Christ.